Welcome to In Focus, a podcast from Cronkite News. I'm your host, Taya Francesca Price. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how young adults sleep, or maybe how we don't sleep, and what this can mean in our lives. We hear the story of one college student's experience with something called sleep paralysis. I've had some sorts of hallucinations where I'm actually just, you know, paralyzed in my bed like you would expect, and, you know, there's evil figures and presences in the room. We will also hear recommendations on how to get better sleep. You can even exercise before bed. We used to say don't exercise. Now we found that people are actually sleeping better if they exercise. As young adults, juggling responsibilities at work or at school with various social activities, an onslaught of social media, and of course, let's not ignore binging on Netflix late into the night, means that we often push sleep down the priority list. The National Sleep Foundation suggests young adults, ages 18 to 25, should get seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Walk onto Arizona State University's Tempe campus and ask students how much sleep they get per night? Well, here's what you might find. Typically sleep like five hours a night. On average, I get six hours of sleep a night. Six to seven hours of sleep. I get about six hours of sleep a night. On average, I probably sleep six hours a night. Four? six hours of sleep a night. According to a study published in the Journal of Adolescent Health in 2010, of the 1,125 university students examined, over 60% were noted to be individuals who received poor quality sleep. That can have consequences like poor academic performance or effects on mental health. But stress can also contribute to sleep problems in the first place. It's a situation that's sort of like the chicken and the egg. Which comes first? Cronkite News producer Brooke Ramos brings us our feature story. With sleep paralysis, you are technically awake, but essentially trapped within your own body. Unable to move or speak, your nightmare has come to life. I tried so hard to move and speak. It's just, the thing is, it feels like you can't even start to do that. It's not, it's not like you... I know some people think that they, you know, they try to scream and stuff, but I just couldn't even try to do it. It's almost like it wasn't even an option. 19-year-old Tristan Larison says his experiences with sleep paralysis began in high school. I've had some sorts of hallucinations where I'm actually just, you know, paralyzed in my bed like you would expect, and, you know, there's evil figures and presences in the room. Um, I've had really like terrifying conversations, but by far the most uh, terrifying for me um, was one time I remember, this was during my senior year of high school, Um, I was laying in my bed and it never, I just don't remember ever falling asleep or anything or transitioning into this state, but I was in my bed and I just remember a man um, laid down on the bed next to me, like just a evil, like I couldn't see anyone, you know, it's just like a black, just like shadow. And then I remember he had a big like knapsack, like a big bag, and just I couldn't move, and I was just being forced into this bag and being dragged out of my room and out of my house. And I just remember that was the most terrifying, you know, most helpless, you know, experience in my life. I just I actually felt like I was in a bag and just could not move, scream, speak. I didn't know why this man was taking me from my room, but it was just so terrifying. You might have the feeling of a presence in the room, hear the sound of footsteps coming near you, 
or even feel as though you are being stuffed into a bag, as Tristan explained. But these are just some symptoms of sleep paralysis. So a couple of podcast producers and I went to the Valley Sleep Center in Mesa, where I spoke with the president, Lori Ledley, about what exactly sleep paralysis is and why it happens. Sleep paralysis is something that we usually see in people who are sleep deprived. So if you, you know, are a college student and you've experienced sleep paralysis, it's because you are not getting enough sleep. And it's usually happening when you first fall asleep or when you wake up. And it's where, you know, everything feels like it's not moving, but you're awake. So that's kind of, again, that REM state where you don't have any muscle tone. So you might actually consciously wake up when you're in a REM state and but those muscles aren't working so it's pretty scary so it makes sleep paralysis so frightening isn't just the lack of muscle tone you experience but the fact that you are still dreaming even though you're actually awake this happens during the REM state deep sleep which makes up about 25 percent of your sleep cycle and occurs multiple times a night initially about 70 to 90 minutes after you fall asleep according to the eunice kennedy shriver National Institute of Child Health and Human Development. Uh, but eventually, you know, you, you come out of it. But again, that's something that is definitely related to sleep deprivation. So my recommendation is get your seven to nine hours, go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time, don't have caffeine, alcohol, things like that before bed, and sleep paralysis usually resolves itself. But even though good sleep habits can resolve sleep paralysis, stress, or even your overall mental health can play a huge role in it. For me, personally, um, I think that on top of my on top of my irregular sleeping pattern, especially during high school, college, you know, I'm sort of a normal teenager in that sense, I guess. Um, I was actually also in the closet about my sexuality, um, and I think that obviously that was causing so much inner turmoil and stress, and um, and that was a big reason that I was having all these um, you know terrors in the night. Stress leads to anxiety and depression, and I think that any behavioral health issue that someone might be struggling with definitely affects the brain, and the brain is the key center where we sleep, and it's what we need to plug in and sleep at night and recharge. So whenever you have any type of stress, anxiety, depression, those type of things, it does interfere with the sleep, and it'll prevent you from falling asleep. It'll prevent you from staying asleep. It might cause you to sleep too much. So it's very, very important that if you're struggling with, you know, anxiety or depression, that you see a behavioral health specialist. For Tristan, working through personal stress in his own life allowed him to improve his experience with sleep as well. It's uh, around like July and August is when I started telling people that I was gay. And ever since then, it's just been so much better. Obviously, my entire life has been so much better, but that specific problem has also been fixed. Sleep paralysis, like several other sleep issues, can be set on by poor sleep hygiene, especially among college students and our not-so-established sleep schedule, plus the variety of other things that can cause us to lose sleep or even have too much of it. So it's really important when you go away to college that you still try to maintain some type of sleep-wake cycle. So go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time, recognize that uh, alcohol, sugared, carbonated beverages, caffeine, uh, foods that are high in carbohydrates, all those things convert to sugar, which can actually stimulate your body to be awake. But it's not only staying away from food and drinks that keep your mind and body awake, but also doing what seems the hardest, unplugging, setting down your cell phone and closing your laptop, really resisting the urge to check 
and update your Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All of the artificial light beaming from your smartphone and computer stimulates your brain to be awake. A lot of time college students can actually force themselves into what we call a circadian rhythm disorder by staying awake too late and then going to sleep in the early hours in the morning and then you sleep half the day. And then what happens is your body gets stuck in that and it's really difficult to go to bed at a normal time in the evening. So again, it's, it's really important for everybody to have a calming routine before bedtime where the lights are dim, you know, maybe you have a little meditation, some yoga, just you can even exercise before bed. We used to say don't exercise. Now we found that people are actually sleeping better if they exercise. My favorite thing is a hot bath or a shower before I go to bed because when you get out and you cool down, that actually initiates sleep when your body temperature drops. So it really helps that those hormones kick in that will help you actually fall asleep and stay asleep and sleep all night. Lori also mentioned that visualizing yourself doing something you love can really help you fall asleep. If spending time outdoors is a passion of yours, imagine yourself at the Grand Canyon. Feel the wind blowing across your face, the breathtaking view, and really allow your mind and body to relax with that image. I'm joined now by Cronkite News producer Brooke Ramos. Hi Brooke, how are you doing? Hi Taya, I'm doing well. So Brooke, we mentioned at the top of the show that sleep deprivation can really affect your life, academic performance, and your mental health in particular. What do we know about the relationship there? Uh, So we know that sleep deprivation directly affects a person's learning ability. So for college students, that means their academic performance. Uh, So what many college students don't realize is actually pulling an all-nighter to study for that big exam, you know, the following day can actually have a negative impact. So it's important to remember when you're sleep deprived, your memory and your ability to uh, learn actually really suffers the consequences there. Not only is it more difficult to learn and retain new information, but it actually affects your ability to access past information. As far as sleep and mental health, they both affect one another. Uh, When you're dealing with depression, stress, anxiety, or any other mental health issue, that can affect your brain. And like Lori mentioned, the brain is the key center where you sleep and recharge. But also, you know, just being sleep deprived can affect your mood, which in turn, you know, potentially increases the likelihood of a mood disorder or anything like that. I see. So in the story, Lori mentioned a few things you can do to try to get better sleep, but you know, everyone's body is different and everyone responds differently. So what about more serious sleep disorders that a relaxing bedtime routine might not solve? Yeah, so there are actually some really serious lifelong problems that people can have. You know, there's narcolepsy, for instance, and that's a chronic sleep disorder where there's really no control of the sleep-wake cycles. So people may actually be unwillingly falling asleep during what seems like very inappropriate times, you know, while you're in a conversation or you're in class or you're eating. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there are definitely some sleep disorders that are very serious, and that's why it's important to notice a potential problem and address it or speak with a professional about it. So how can you tell if you might have a problem that you should talk to your doctor about? Like, What are some of the symptoms? 
So that's actually a really good question, especially because at what point do you differentiate a few nights of restless sleep from something that might actually be a problem? Uh, so Lori actually spoke to me about keeping a sleep diary, an effort to determine what's actually going on. So, you know, really keeping track of what's going on in your life, writing down what you're eating, what you're doing throughout the day, what time you're going to bed, things like that. So at the end of that, and after reflecting on what you've noted, you may be able to come to realize that you just have a discipline issue or there may be a more serious issue at hand. Great. Well, it's very important for us to be aware of these things. So thank you so much for your story. Absolutely. Connect with us on Twitter at Cronkite News or Facebook at Cronkite News Online or submit the feedback form on our website, cronkitenews.azpbs.org slash podcast. There, you'll also be able to find links to other InFocus episodes and more about the music you heard in this episode. Also, if you want to be sure to never miss a new story from InFocus, subscribe on SoundCloud or on iTunes to keep up to date. InFocus is a production of Cronkite News at Arizona PBS from Arizona State University's The Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. I'm your host, Tara Francesca Price. Thanks for listening.